Radio Network. You're listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor. Casey, the floor is yours. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of the Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase indie entertainers and creative types from all walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, uh, then I want to hear from you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. I'm on there all the time, at Cutting Room MRB. Uh, or you can hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Cutting Room MRB, uh, or shoot me an email, uh, cuttingroomfloor.mrb at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to be on the show, if you have something you want to promote, if you're uh, have a musician, if you're a musician and you're looking for some additional airplay, uh, this is something that I do every week. Uh, I'm always looking for songs to play during my mid-show break, so let me know. I'm always, always, always looking for people. Uh, quick thank you as we do at the top of the show to the Wolf, who acts as my announcer. You can listen to him and his dear wife Susan every Sunday night from eight o'clock until midnight, right here on the Mix Radio Network, uh, on the Live from the Morgue show. Also to Michael Cordello, who uh, wrote my jingle for me, uh, "Free Grass and for Nothing," and I always make sure to give him credit as a uh, great little layer to the show. And my home away from home out in Los Angeles, which I wish I was in <laughs> right now, given the two blizzards that we had this week, uh, at BrigadeRadio1.org. So you can listen to me. Uh, I'm syndicated out there. Uh, Ethan Detmeyer and the gang from uh, from Combat Radio have got me set up with BrigadeRadio1.org. And I, uh, you know, great group of guys and uh, lo- loads of talent, more than, uh, you know, I can never know what to do with. And uh, they've set me up on all kinds of really cool interviews. So it's, uh, that's been probably one of the most successful collaborations that I've had in the 10 years doing this show. Uh, so I digress. Uh, the reason that you're listening to this now or downloading it later uh, is to listen to my chats. i got two great guests for you today covering very, very different uh, colors of the uh, the spectrum here. Uh, in the first half, I've got Gemma. And uh, Gemma uh, is actually uh, has a mutual friend in, in Paul Reeves, who is one of the best friends that I've made in the process of doing this show. Uh, Gemma, so you know, is the host and curator of the uh, Juicy Game Reviews website. Uh, she's also got a wildly popular YouTube channel, uh, operates a blog as well uh, to discuss all kinds of things with regards to gaming and, uh, you know, up and coming trends and things like that. So this is going to be a really good show. Uh, gaming is something that has been taken a bit on a bit of steam uh, in the last couple of episodes because a few people brought it up. So I, I thought it would be good to get Gemma on to talk about uh, you know what things look like from her side of the fence. Uh, so out of the UK, we're we're going uh, two different uh, extreme time zones today uh, because Lee is out in Los Angeles. But uh, out of the UK, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes for the first time uh, Gemma's here. Uh, Gemma, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Casey. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I managed to dig myself out of uh, what we got yesterday, so so uh, <laughs> you know, uh, all, you know, all's well at the end of the line, so to speak. Good. So, Good. so uh, the first question, Gemma, that I always have yeah. for everybody when they're on here for the first time is just a bit of an icebreaker. Uh, did I get all of your bio information right, or was that close enough? Yeah, I mean that's that seems absolutely perfect. Um, yeah, there's the kind of website and YouTube channel, um, which are the main kind of crux of things. And yeah, it's heavily leans towards the the gaming world and anything that's attached to that. So yeah, it's pretty spot on. So so uh, you know, I'll start with a basic question. How, how did you get started with with all of this? I, I you know, I guess what, what made you decide to you know enter the foray of, of blogging and reviewing and, and that kind of thing so i guess what was your initial vision for for what you're doing and, and how has that changed and how long have you been doing it yeah yeah um I, well it was it mainly started kind of with youtube um back in 2010 um and at the time i was involved with the iphone community when the iphone came out in 2007 and um a, a forum that i was involved in kind of closed down um the guy changed his website and by that point i was already kind of linking the forum and um kind of tutorials to youtube so when that closed all i had left was was youtube and then i just thought you know what i'm gonna I'm going to start a YouTube channel and um, kind of showcase it around that geeky side of me, which is probably the the dominant side of me, and get back into collecting games I used to play when I was a lot younger. Um, 
so that kind of went on for a couple of years but then I had a two and a half year break and, and kind of came back to YouTube in 2014 I want to say um, and it's kind of just gone from there really um, and then kind of dotted around that is all the little pockets of social media like Instagram and Twitter and you know Facebook and stuff so yeah it's um, yeah it's fun and I, I you know I love it so yeah yeah kind of regret the two and a half year break though but nonetheless that's it's all good it's it's back now and, and growing so it's cool well yeah I, I mean you know that's not necessarily a bad thing either right? it gives you a chance to to regroup and gain steam yeah. and, and uh, yeah. you know figure out what you're going to do next right I, I took a break for a while myself this past year so um so i guess what kind of ground do you cover in the in the process of doing this and is it straight up reviewing is it uh mm -hmm. you know do you network with people do you, do you interview gaming experts or people that are in the business i guess what kind of ground do you cover in the process of doing all of this um well it, it tends to change with the shift in what's kind of trending in the gaming world like for example at the minute the nintendo switch is a hot topic um it's a hot topic if you know you search like hashtag nintendo switch on twitter it's a hot topic with pe people gaining lots of views on youtube so it just kind of depends if my interest is in line with the trends then i'll kind of go with it otherwise i'll just just leave it and do whatever um, you know, kind of do whatever I feel like doing. But the nuts and bolts of the YouTube channel were around retro gaming. So anything from kind of like the ZX Spectrum, the Commodore 64, a bit of Atari and kind of upwards. Um, and then of late, obviously, we've we've got the kind of more more modern stuff with the, the PlayStation 4, PC, you know, the, the Battlegrounds craze with some PUBG and Fortnite. And so it's a little bit of everything. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Paul earlier because I kind of met Paul um, through an old playlist I used to do called Games We Never Knew. And it was about looking at cancelled video games and diving into that history a little bit. So um, I would try and reach out to old game developers via Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and ask them to just share some thoughts on, you know, a, a games that were cancelled. And Paul was one of um paul was one of my guests on there and you know we did star fox 2 dylan cuthbert as well so you know that's that's it was it was quite good but quite taxing at the same time you know it, it took a lot out of me just to get one episode up and running so i kind of stopped doing it after about 19 episodes and just focused on other other playlists for the channel so yeah i kind of try and shift and be flexible depending on what trends are so now, yeah. now you, you mentioned the uh, you know the whole notion of retro gaming a couple yeah. of times, right? So, so I'll ask you a couple of questions about that if that's okay, okay right? So, yeah, yeah cool. So, I, I mean, this is something that that really, you know, from all of the things that I've seen, whether it's on television, you look at shows like The Big Bang Theory, where they, yeah. you know, they they keep bringing these things back, and uh, I mean, retro gaming has really taken on a life of its own right mm. when you think of it right uh, I guess what do you think is the appeal there does it really you know people that are <laughs> I hate to say it but a little bit older that, that have seen these technologies that are yeah. getting back into these things that that you know for nostalgia purposes I, I, I guess what is the pull there and yeah that, I think that's a really good question I think I think I mean obviously I think it differs for everybody for me personally it's it's the you've mentioned nostalgia. I think um, nostalgia is quite a powerful um, selling tool, and I think for those that might be you know traders in the retro gaming world, I think you know if you can pull on somebody's nostalgia heartstrings, then people are going to buy into that. And I think that's a positive thing, definitely, because obviously that gives that gives a platform for a, a community to grow. Um, so I think I think it's just you know nostalgia, and then you know what what I've seen a lot of at the minute is a lot of younger kids like at retro gaming markets and retro gaming expos because their mums, dads, aunties, and sisters are bringing them along. So it, it's a kind of chance to connect as well with with family members, and it's just awesome. It's just a good buzz. It's a good vibe. It's you know it's it's I just I don't know. It's it's for me it's kind of an investment as well. Not that I would ever sell my collection, but it just makes me feel like it's it's something that you can look at like yeah do you know some people smoke some people drink i'll buy video games and that's that's my <laughs> kind of advice so yeah i think for me it's nostalgia and just seeing things grow it's tangible it's it's a good buzz i think well, and, it, and it's counterintuitive when you think about it, right? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, and on one hand, it's an art form like any other, right? But mm. that, that, I mean, you see, you know, things evolve the same way. You go to a museum and look at a piece of fine art, or, or you know, yeah. you look at the history of mu music or movie making. But 
But video games is a, a bit of a different beast in the sense that, that you know, technology is all about bigger, faster, and more elaborate, mm -hmm. right? right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. what can you do to come out with the, the next really cool thing that people want to consume? Right. So to, to have sort of a genre like retro gaming, which goes right back to Pong yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, you know, the original Donkey Kong and, you know, games like that, that were yeah. very, that were very <laughs> unforgiving, right? And, and I say this from experience because my mother made the mistake of buying uh, my niece and nephew who are five and three, uh, or three and five, I should say, uh, a, a Frogger outlet thing that, that they plug into <laughs> the TV. Awesome. My, my five-year-old nephew had wanted no part of that in the first five minutes it's too hard you know so I, I, it is kind of it is kind of paradoxical in, in mm. some respects i think mm. i think that that's the thing isn't it it's you know with technology we're always after the bigger and the better and the faster and the lighter and the smaller and you know with something like retro it's just so kind of it's so clunky and you know i think i always kind of look at it as it's you there's, there's kind of two sides to it there's the collector side and then there's the gamer side and i think for me, the retro stuff is probably 70% about being a collector and 30% about being, you know, playing the stuff. Um, I mean, you know, I, I play my gaming PC and my PS4 more than any of the retro gaming consoles. But, you know, with the with the NES Mini and the Super Nintendo Mini, I mean, that that's kind of come out. And I think that's given people a, a, a bit of an introduction into the past as well. You know, if you weren't in that, uh, if you didn't, if you if you're not a collector and you don't go to these markets, you buy a Super Nintendo, um, a SNES Mini Classic, whatever, and you you've got access to all those cool games. Um, it's awesome. So I think I think times are changing. Um, I'm actually hoping we get an N64 Mini as well, please Nintendo, uh, this year. But we'll we'll see, we'll see. But for me, it's kind of collector and gamer. So two sides to it. Now you, you mentioned uh, you know the notion of, of canceled games, and I, I yeah. remember somebody in the process of, of doing this show sent me a documentary about um, what was allegedly supposed to be the the worst video game ever released on a console. And I, and I remember having a copy of this, and it was ET. Right? ET, I knew you were going to say ET. <laughs> right, right, I remember yeah. because I was an ET addict. Like I, right. I had every bloody toy going when I was <laughs> when I was a kid, and. And, uh, you know, they had notion, they had a whole documentary about how, you yeah. know, Atari was going out and trying to yank this thing off the market. I mean, have you seen that documentary? Or Yeah, I have. I've seen, um, I have seen it. It was, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I have, um, we, it was kind of around the, um, the video game crash in the 80s. And then it right. kind of leapt forward to them kind of digging up all these old cartridges and packaging and things in the desert. So, yeah, it was is if if that's what you're referring to, then yes, I've seen it. I, I think that's that's the one you're referring to. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, now the, as a hobby, I mean, this is you know got to be to some extent, it's got to be a hard one for you to keep up with, right? In the, in the sense that technology is always changing, and and uh, I mean, there is a heavy investment that's involved in this. Every mm. time there's a new console that comes out, I guess, how do you pick your battles in terms of which ones you're going to look at and which ones you're going to invest in yourself? Um, I think, you know, we like the newer stuff. I mean, there's there's two, well, there's now, I think, kind of three main console camps because Nintendo have, have bought the Switch out. So I think they've kind of, you know, but, but park the Switch for a minute. You know, before the Switch came out, it was you either have an Xbox or a PS4. Um, I like the PS4 better. I think Sony has much better exclusives. And I think if you can look at which console is going to give you the better experience with better exclusives, you know, more immersion, story, graphics, um, you know, you've got PSVR. Um, we don't have, you know, anything like that on the Xbox. So you know, I kind of just weigh it up in terms of which software is going to give me the most for my money. And at the minute, you know, the PS4 is just winning hands down. So that's how I would kind of, you know, approach it. But to be fair, PC is pretty strong as well. I'm getting into the PC more and more. It just it just depends on, on what kind of grabs my attention. I'm a bit greedy. I would just say kind of buy it all. And then 
if you don't like it, you can just kind of sell it or trade it. But yeah, but yeah, <laughs> that all makes sense. So PS4 for me. Now, in in terms of the uh, you know the branding for yourself specifically, yeah. like I, I want to make sure we draw the uh, the delineation here because you were you and I were talking about this offline that you mm. you've got the Juicy Games Review website yeah. and then you've yeah. also got a YouTube channel that's got a slightly different name attached to it. Yes. So I want to yeah. make sure we get in a plug for both so that people know where to find you on each um, okay. on each platform. So let's let's uh, shift over for the uh, the YouTube channel for a minute. So okay. uh, what can you tell us about what you're doing over there specifically? Okay, so there's there's the YouTube channel. There's three videos and three live streams uh, per week. So it's kind of content on six days out of the seven. Um, there's the Monday, Wednesday, Friday video schedule, which is all the kind of schedules on my website, juicygamereviews.com. And that can be typically around, you know, looking at the latest Switch games that are out or going out with a GoPro on and going around doing a bit of a, a retro game hunt in a really, really cool shop. So people get that really nice. They kind of see what I see, and people really love that kind of stuff. Um, got you know, like today, for example, I've edited something about the the Nintendo Direct, um, the their announcement that came out last week of all the new games that are coming out. So that's dropping tomorrow. Um, and then there's the other side of it with the live streams, which mainly takes up the bulk of my weekend. So that's a, at the minute, Call of Duty's going kind of blowing the channel up to be honest call of duty uh, world war ii lots of kind of multiplayer stuff with my friends online a bit of PUBG, bringing in some fortnite as well so it's good it's good fun um the live streams definitely tends to kind of fuel the interaction a little bit more because you can interact with your audience live and you know in turn that does drive you know more in terms of results i think but for me personally i think a channel if you're doing it, then then do it. Do both. I don't, I would hate just to be a streaming channel, and I, I can't ever envisage going back to just videos. It's live streams, videos, a bit of something for everyone, really. Well, yeah, and uh, I, I mean, this is you know, there, there's a lot going on here, right? In, in terms yeah. of I, you know, how do how do you decide what stories to cover on each of your your live streams? Do you wait for people? Do you do you open the floor to submissions, or do you decide on them yourself? Uh, I guess uh, you know, what's that selection process like? Um, so if you go into the YouTube gaming app or the Twitch app, you can look at who, which games are trending the most. At the minute, you'll probably find Fortnite, uh, PUBG, and Call of Duty World War II um, on consoles are going crazy right now. So luckily, I'm interested in those three. So I, you know, I'll go towards that. Every now and again, I'll, I'll pull something obscure out the bag, and I'll notice from the analytics that it doesn't do as well. So. I have to enjoy it. I have to know the audience want to watch it. And it's just trying to get that balance. So sometimes I've played a game and it's just, I've played one, I've played it once because there's, you know, nobody wants to watch it or, you know, the, the chat's really quiet. So you just, you just kind of get a gauge for it really. You just kind of test the water a little bit, but typically I'll just look at what's trending you know, via Twitch or YouTube gaming app. So, yeah. Do you compete yourself in, in terms of, uh, you know, gaming competitions? I know that this is a big business now too, right? Mm. Um, no, no, I just, I just love it. It's just a passion project, really. I okay. just right. do it for a bit of fun and, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of see, you know, people saying, when are you streaming again? Um, or can you stream tonight? We really enjoy it. You know, just seeing, seeing that, you know, you can give a reward to some people. So I, I kind of buzz off that. So, I guess that's that's where my head's at with it, over the kind of competitive side. Do do you uh, actually get out and participate in say conventions like uh, you know I mean video games go hand in hand a lot with uh, with Comic Con right yeah, do, do, yeah. Do, you, do you do you get out to venues like that to uh, you know, to either speak or or just to walk around and, and see what's going on? Yeah, I love just I, I've never been invited to a convention to kind of talk and um, it doesn't seem to be as big of a deal over here in England as say in like the US when you've got PAX. I mean like PAX South is going on at the minute. So there's a lot of streamers and big YouTubers that have gone down there. Um, but I do go. I go to Eurogamer. I'm going to be going to Gamescom in Germany in August. Um, and then there's a couple of play expos and retro gaming markets that I'll just bounce down. But that's for my own my own personal i'm just taking the gopro and we're going to go buy loads of games and we'll make a video out of it so yeah it's it's cool i love it uh is there any particular type of game that, that you enjoy yourself whether it's you know rpgs versus uh mm -hmm. you know sports games versus 
uh, you know, any, I mean, I'm not admittedly as informed as a lot of guys out there about them, but, but is there any kind of, of game that you find yourself particularly, okay, fine, you know what, if it's, mm. you know, this brand or if it's along this series that, you know, I'm, you're going to run out and get it right away? Um, we, we, I mean, it's. It, I used to look. I used to say RPGs are my favorite. It's my favorite kind of you know video game. RPGs, RPGs, RPGs. And then the battle over the last year, the battle royale, um, the battle royale games have started to kind of flow out, and that's really piquing my interest because it, it's just it, your adrenaline is so high. It's just like end to end adrenaline rush. I absolutely love it. There's like never a dull moment. Um, so something like Player Unknown Battlegrounds, Fortnite, it's just go, 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 go. Um, so I think for me at the minute, anything that can kind of connect with me and give me that edge adrenaline-wise, that's what I buzz off. And it's the same with Call of Duty because it's so fast. You know, it's on, 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 on. There's never a dull moment. So it's the for me, that is the ultimate escape from reality because you just don't think about anything until the controller gets, you know, you put the controller down. So anything that's going to take me away from reality, I'm I'm just there in the gaming world now you also mentioned uh i mean this extends beyond uh you know straight up video games but you're also into the whole collectible side of it too mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. uh, i guess what kinds of collectibles do you really enjoy hunting for i, I know that uh, i've got something that borderlines along mental illness in terms of my pop vinyl figures i've got over 100 oh, of them here cool. so i have a nine foot shelf above my television the thing was full before. Wow. So uh, I, I guess what are the kinds of things that excite you to go out and, and hunt for and forage for? Um, it's the kind of, you know, we, we kind of call it the jewels in the crown. Um, sometimes I don't, I, tr I try not to have any expectations. It, I, I'm kind of, if I see it, I know it, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like a love at first sight thing. Um, but typically anything to do with the Super Nintendo, um, the better condition the box, the more complete it is. So whether or not you've got your instruction manual, your, your posters inside, anything that's in crisp condition is, I'm there. I feel like my interest is, is I want to buy it, I, I, you know. Um, at the minute, there's no, oh, let me think, let me think. I just, um, a, a chap down down the road from me actually was going to throw a load of stuff out um and in a recent video i did this huge pickups video um there were loads of consoles loads of games and then there was a boxed version of steel battalion on the original xbox now that's really rare like and so, so to me i was just like i couldn't believe it it was like christmas day again it was like oh, this this amazing rare you know peripheral in my kitchen it was just phenomenal it was brilliant so you know things like that that make me smile the rest off i love the crisp clean immaculate games boom all day long okay, love it you, you mentioned uh you know the, the you know the one that you just found what are some of the other uh, you know jewel you know crown jewels that you have or some of the really rare items that you, you were either really hard for you to find or, or you know yeah. that you know there are very rare I have some original Akira film cells that I bought from a friend. Really? Um, yeah, like absolutely um, really, really nice. I think I've got five of them. So they're like one of my prized possessions. I absolutely love, love, love them. Um, I've got an old – what have I got? There's, um, I've got an old media kit from – E3, Namco's presentation from E3 in 1997, I want to say, um, with all like the just there's, like loads of cool stuff in about games that are coming out. There's um, press releases, it, you know, just things like that that I just think, wow. Um, last uh, in 2016, I sat in on a panel with the original Tomb Raider developers from Core. Um, so they all signed the original double case Tomb Raider box that I, I took in. So that was cool. Yeah, you know, just a few bits like that. That so for me, it's stuff that money can't buy. You know, even though it, you can buy it, it's it's for me. It's you can't buy that stuff. It's priceless. It's amazing. It's just. Brill, I love it. Well, no, I'm I, I, I like I, a real geek, don't I? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't pretend to know a lot about anime, but I sure as hell know what Akira is. Yeah, and and yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I remember that you know one of my best friends. I mean, his son rose and set by that when when that came out, right? So. Yeah. That's wicked. Uh, now, uh, the other thing I was kind of curious to, to get your opinions on, is one of the phenomena that, that I've, uh, a few people have brought to my attention lately, and I can mm. see why this would be, uh, you know, sort of addictive in its own right, 
is you know the notion of watching gamers actually complete games on YouTube and things like this. I mean, you know, watching people complete video games and uh, or compete in video games for that matter has almost become a spectator to sport in in and of itself, right? Right. I, 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 to me, like on the one hand, yeah, I get it, but on the other hand, you know, I'm old enough to think yeah. you're watching people play video games, and you know, I, I guess what are your thoughts on this? Um, so you mean like let's play channels where people just play from like start to finish? There'll be like an episode one, episode two. Yeah, exactly. Um, or people that set up channels and and uh, you know record themselves playing, or you know all all this kind of stuff. I mean, you yeah. know, it's almost like a spectator sport, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. I, I think it's a great. I think what the thing I have an issue with with things like that is a lot of the big YouTubers. Um, they they'll get the game. They'll get a game, you know, a week before it's released to the general public, and they'll have permission to play through. Um, and you you know you could have had four hours of this game on somebody's channel before you've even got a copy, which arguably is a disadvantage because you're kind of ruining the game. You know what's going to happen, yada yada yada. But on the flip side, I guess if you know if you didn't want to watch it, then you know you just if it was me, I just wouldn't click it. I think oh, I don't you know I don't want any spoilers. I'm not going to click it. I think I think it's just down to kind of individual preference. Um, I've watched a lot of that stuff in the past. It's not my forte at the minute. I much prefer live streams where you can interact with chat rather than it just be about game commentary and playing the game um but yeah i think what annoys me is when developers give big youtubers the game early that, that does me in but that's why i don't watch them because i don't want any spoilers so it's just personal choice personal well, choice really well yeah and i mean you know the, the same holds true for for anything right whether you're going to play a video game that's based on a movie and you mm. opt to play through the game before you actually go out and see the movie that you know, could hinder your movie going experience or, sure, you know, the same sure. thing with the, any, any other form of adaptation, really, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it just stereotypical, just, you know, dig your head in the sand and avoid all the spoilers yeah. that you can, yeah. right? So, Absolutely, yeah, definitely. So we're down to our last couple of minutes here, uh, okay. Gemma, but, but I want to make sure we get in a good solid plug for all of your various website feeds and things like that. So where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, I understand that you got a streaming thing that you're going to be doing this afternoon, so I want to make sure we yeah. get a good, you know, floor is yours, plug uh, anything that you'd like. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be streaming some Kill Confirmed on my YouTube channel. So it's youtube.com forward slash thegebs24. Um, and then the, the website is juicygamereviews.com. But, you know, those, tip, those two portals right there, you can find the, the other social media. Everything else is at thegebs24, so Instagram, Facebook, etc. So... T-H-A-G-E-B-S-2-4. So that's where I am. Well, Gemma, this has been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, certainly yeah. if, you, if you need my help at all promoting anything, uh, you know, by all means, let me know and I'd be happy to do it, all right? Thanks, Casey. It was nice talking to you. Thanks okay. for having me. All right. Have a great afternoon. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, so uh, again, that was Gemma, and uh, you can find her, uh, you know, at her website and on her YouTube channel. And I'm just going to see if I can get Leah Savoli on the line here. Hello, Leah. Hello. Hello, Leah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Uh, okay, maybe we're going to try hanging up here. And uh, could you please try calling me back? You sound like you're way far off in a tunnel here. So. Okay, so we're just trying to get Leah Savoli on. We're uh, experiencing a bit of a. All right, let's see if we can get this. Okay. Okay, hello, Leah. Yeah. Okay. You're really. Uh, is is there a way that you could work with a headset or something? I I I can barely barely hear you. It sounds like a whisper almost. Okay. Is this better? Much exponentially. Okay. All right. So let's run with that one. Okay. All right, so uh, we're on Leah Savoli here. I'm just going to take my mid-show break. We're going to uh, do a quick sounder for uh, one of the projects that Brigade Radio 1 is doing, the Bob Gurr Soundbook. 
uh, the audiobook rather. Uh, Jason Hadley's going to come by with the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up, and then for the uh, the musical interlude, I've got Lynn's Crichton. Uh, the, you can find her at Lynn's, and it's L Y N Z Crichton. Uh, as in Michael Crichton, the same spelling, uh, .bandcamp.com. We're going to play a track off of her self-titled album, uh, Lynn's Crichton, and the track is called One Fine Day. And we'll be back with Lee in about five minutes. So, Lee, if you could just meet yourself up, and we'll be right back with you. All right? Go. Yep. Hey everyone, it's Ethan with Combat Radio. You know, one of the projects we're most proud of around here is the two-disc audiobook we produced with Disney legend Bob Gurr. From his years of working with Walt Disney to designing the T-Rex for Jurassic Park to Godzilla 1998, the work this man has done is legendary. He designed elements of the Matterhorn, Monorail, Haunted Mansion, Autopia, and much, much more. Get the two-disc audiobook at CD Baby. Just go to CD Baby and enter Fail Fast. Combat Radio Conversations with Disney legend Bob Gurr, and bang, you're on your way to greatness. the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up with your host, Jason Hadley. Actor Jeff Bridges was sadly one of the celebrities to lose their Montecito, California home as a victim of the area's recent mudslides. However, the Big Lebowski star's home would have fared better structurally if the rug wasn't the only thing that really tied the room together. Recording their first six albums together, the last of British heavy metal band Motorhead's classic lineup recently got back together. Guitarist Fast Eddie Clark passed away on Wednesday from complications of pneumonia at the age of 67. <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus had reason to celebrate, leaving her last day of chemo after being diagnosed with breast cancer last September. For those of you unaware, October's known as National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which Lindsay Lohan celebrates by only purchasing her cocaine by the mammogram. And that's the Hollywood Rockin' Wrap-Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rockin' Wrap-Up. Day come back to me, go, go. 
And that was Lens Crichton, uh, One Fine Day, and you can find that uh, and that and other songs that you can available for uh, for download and for purchase at lenscrichton.bandcamp.com. Uh, with me in the second half of the show is uh, somebody who's been an invaluable asset and contributed to the uh, the cutting room floor over the uh, the last few years. Uh, Leah Savoli is here. She's a prolific actress and producer in social media and crowdfunding guru. Um, she's also a champion of uh, body image issues in, in film and has uh, contributed to a bunch of different panels at, at uh, a lot of the major conventions. Uh, sent dozens of high-profile interviews my way, and uh, including the, burst, the best birthday gift that I ever got uh, was a few years ago. On my actual birthday, I got an email from Leah Savoli um, asking me if I'd be willing to interview Sean Astin, and that was that was pretty damn cool <laughs> uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And she's got all kinds of great projects that are in the funnel, and uh, I thought it would be fun to have her back to catch up on uh, on a few of them, uh, not the least of which is uh, the Tura Sultana documentary that she was uh, championing a while ago. Uh, so without further ado, uh, another member of uh, what I affectionately like to refer to as my repeat offenders club. These are people that have given me their time more than once. Uh, Leah Savoli's back on the show. Uh, Leah, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Casey? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So uh, I can still say that. It's still January. You can still, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. the month of january we can still say happy new year yeah and you're, you're not in the you're not in the later half of the month either right so that's true tomorrow it would get iffy <laughs> so so how you been it's been a while since i spoke I, with you i know right um i've been good but yeah i was thinking i was like wow when's the last time i've actually been on I, you know I've, I've sent you like you said i've sent you dozens of guests and always happy to because i know um, I know my my projects and my crowdfunding clients are going to get a, a spectacular interview when they when they come on your show and it's and it's always funny to hear uh, their reactions afterwards, especially some of the more high profile people. Where I'm like, okay, I've got you. You're going to be on this podcast. You're going to the cutting room floor, and you know, and oh, okay, all right, you know, Leo sent us here, and then. I don't even need to say anything because I know it's going to be a stellar interview. And when the interview's over, I'm always like, so how was it? And everybody's always like, oh, my God, it was so good. He's so smart. He knew all this and he knew all that. And I'm like, yep, that's Casey. <laughs> I appreciate that. I admit the last time I went fanboy with one of the people that you sent my way was uh, was Bill Duke. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, that would I mean that in a review in and of itself would have been cool enough, right? Because you know all of those Schwarzenegger films the guy's done, but but yeah. the fact that he was on there to talk about you know Schmeling versus Lewis and, and yeah, you know I thought this is going to be an even more fun conversation than I thought because my grandfather used to tell me stories about those fights growing up as a kid, right? So so uh, that that was a fun one too. I, I uh, nice little memory there. So. Isn't it so interesting how all the pieces connect and just such interesting people? I am, I, I don't have any crowdfunding campaigns running right now, but I have a couple coming up. And um, one lady that just reached out to me, she was actually a referral through Amanda McBroom. I believe you spoke to Amanda, right? I, I think, yeah, I, did I you interview Amanda? I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe you were full. Um, because sometimes Casey does get fill, filled up, but um, Amanda McBroom, singer, so she's singer songwriter. She's the um, lyricist that wrote "The Rose" that became super, super popular by Bette Midler. Um, and so Amanda was a campaign I worked on uh, two summers ago. Well, I got a referral recently from Amanda. And the woman sent me her link. Um, it's for her father. And she said, you know, if you could just take a look at um, this short documentary on my dad. And this gentleman, and, and I haven't spoken to her yet. I don't know if I'm going to be working with them, but I sure as heck want to work with them. Uh, her dad um, was a, uh, well, he still is a musician, but he was the first artist signed to the Beatles record label. So, so Apple, basically, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like on the verge of superstardom and he was censored. One of his songs was a little too edgy for the time. Um, and, and, you know, and his career kind of just went into oblivion at that point. And he, he works, uh, he works on, in New York and, but all his life, he's still been a musician, obviously. And, and in the documentary, you see all these boxes and boxes and boxes of lyrics that he's written over the years and all these cassette tapes of music. And I guess a few years ago, 
Apple did a reissue of all of their artists and he and he got a reissue um, of his of his song and so it looks like they're gearing up to do a crowdfund to do a new album for him and, and the man is in his 70s and you know, like I said I haven't even talked to her it was just one email but I, I'm so excited because it's it's stories like that and all the interwoven connections of this world that like really like, that get me excited and make me uh, make me happy to be doing what I do. Now, now, on the subject of that, one of the ones that you were party to uh, that, that I covered fairly extensively here, and I actually, this was one of the few, the, the handful of crowdfunding campaigns that I even contributed to myself, uh, was the uh, the Tourist Sultana documentary, right? Remember the Sultana. Remember the Sultana. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're confusing Tourist Sultana and Remember the Sultana. No, I was talking about uh, Tora. Yes. Cor Corey, um, I can't remember his. Uh, I had Corey on here. And uh, the one about the. Co uh, Co yeah, Cody. Cody. Cody, Cody I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah. Cody and Suzanne um, about Tora Sultana. Um, uh, Suzanne was actually uh, Tora's manager, um, you know, during her lifetime um, and now runs her estate. And Cody, Cody Jarrett. Cody Jarrett. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Corey. Uh, Cody, yeah, Cody. Uh, Cody. I'm sorry. It's, it's close. It's, it's only a letter off. Um, and Cody uh, is the director of that, that feature length documentary. They've been working on that for a couple of years now. Um, we actually started working together about three or four years ago, um, and then uh, last spring is when they when they had it all together and they launched the Kickstarter and we raised the funds and um, I don't know exactly where it is, but I know it's moving along. Um, I actually I, I got a little Christmas card from from Cody that was really cute with a little piece of chocolate in it. And I was like, oh, how sweet. Um, and so I, de I definitely need to have a, a coffee with, with Cody soon and, uh, and figure out exactly where they are in the process. But I know they're moving along. The, that team is uh, super strong and super passionate, obviously, because Tora was someone in their life. Um, and, you know, and they got Margaret Cho involved in that as the narrator. And, and they got Dita Von Teese involved. And it was a really exciting campaign to work on because I think um, – I think they were exciting. They were surprising themselves almost every day when they saw how many people were really behind the documentary and were passionate about about getting Taurus Satana's story out there for the world to to see. Well, yeah, and, and uh, I mean, they also had they had a lot of big names in that. I mean, John Waters even contributed yeah. and interviewed for that. I, I couldn't believe that. And uh, again, uh, you know, Cody, uh, you know, I, I was a firm believer in that project. And if you're willing to come back, I'd be happy to have you on with or without Suzanne. So. Uh, that that was when I remember being impressed with when I covered them. That was a couple of years ago, I think. Huh? When I was... No, it was only last spring. <laughs> was it really? I, yes, I know it feels like a lifetime ago, uh, but their campaign was, I believe, from March to April uh, of last year of 2017, I swear. <laughs> okay, well, uh, then, uh, okay, in fairness to me, this uh, health-wise, this wasn't the best year for me. So, uh, you know, again, uh, I'll, I'll make my apologies for that. I, you know, in March, I was uh, in the hospital for a little while. So, oh, man. But, but, well, I'm happy to hear that you're, that you're I'm, out of the hospital. Yeah, I'm, I'm all better now. But, but uh, yeah. we're going to look back on Marches. We're just going to sort of forget that of last year. So, uh, gotcha. now, just in terms of some of the other projects that you're working on, I know that you, you have, uh, you know, I'll start off with something that I was kind of caught off guard, but you did a uh, Walmart commercial. I did. Um, I so I booked a, a national Walmart commercial uh, in November of last year. It's already run. It was already run. It's already out. It's already over. Um, and now I, I now I get to sit back and enjoy uh, the residual checks that come in. Um, <laughs> and I think that's something you know. You and I have done a lot of work with my crowdfunding campaigns, right. but my passion my passion is as an actress. Right, you know, right. that's yeah. what I've started out as is television and film actress. And over the years here in Hollywood, um, I've I've just kind of gravitated towards becoming a, a producer and then a sub branch of that uh, was crowdfunding and next thing I knew everyone and their brother was hiring me to crowdfund um, but inside I'm going well when are you gonna put me in your films um, but so um, yeah no I've had a, I've had some like really cool successes um, towards the end of last year and now going into this year so the Walmart commercial was was amazing you know it came out you, you submit yourself you never know you get the audition you never know you get the call back you never know it's it's a bit of a process so for those who 
who don't know how that works, you know, as an actor, uh, every day you're scouring all these legitimate, there's legit and non-legit, but hopefully you're on a legitimate website with legitimate castings with real people and real projects, um, or you have an agent that's submitting you for the, for these things. And I, I do have an agent in the commercial world. Um, they're, they're amazing. Um, but this was a project I actually submitted myself. I found it on one of those websites and they were looking for uh, two sisters. Now, I do have two sisters, but they live in Pennsylvania and they're not actresses. But I submitted and I thought, you know what, if they call me in for an audition, I have a friend, I have a couple friends that look enough like me that, that we could pass as sisters. So I went ahead and I submitted and I got the audition and they were like, uh, can you send us your sister's information? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so I quick texted a friend. She was busy. I texted another friend. She was busy. Um, and then I actually ended up texting uh, Catherine. Uh, you interviewed Catherine um, a couple months ago. She was uh, with the Rain Rainmaker campaign of course, yeah. Um, yeah. on Seed and Spark. And I had just met Catherine. She was a crowdfunding client of mine. She's much younger than I am, but we look similar enough. So I texted Catherine, and she's an actress, and asked her if she'd like to come to this audition with me as my younger sister. So she said yes. She was available. We went to the audition. And um, so then a couple days later, you find out. So you, you, you go to the audition, then you get a callback. For us, in this instance, this was actually the callback because they had already gone through a round of casting. So we kind of came in in the second round, which is a good place to be because the pool has already been narrowed right. and they're just right. bringing a couple people in. So we went to the callback and then you find out, hopefully you find out, that you're on what's called an avail, which is short for available. Right. Basically, they call your agent and say, you know, we want to make sure that Leah Savoli is available on this date, this date, and this date, because it's down to like you and, you know, one or two other people. Um, and so both Catherine and I were put on avail. Uh, and then we found out about 40, 48 hours later that we both booked the job. So we got to work together um, as sisters. It was a two-day shoot, um, one on location, you know, in the house as, as a family, doing family things. They even had us in a car and driving around filming us at, as we drive. You don't get to see all this. You know, the editing is, like, so quick. You know, we shot for two days, and it's a 15-second commercial. <laughs> um, but that's how it happens. And then the second day, um, it was actually at a Walmart in Santa Clarita, California, and, and we had a blast. Uh, you know, we had, a, we had a lot of fun, and it's been a little while since I've been on the TV screen, so it was really fun for me for all of my nieces and nephews. I have, a, I have nine nieces and nephews, age, ranging in age from four months to age nine, and so it, it really, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I cried when my brother sent me a picture of my six-year-old nephew pointing up at the big screen TV, pointing at his Aunt Leah, and it's like, you know, that's, that's, that's for me, like, making it, you know, when your family is proud of you, when your friends can be proud of you, when people can point and be like, oh, hey, there's my Aunt Leah, you know, so it was a really, really great way to end uh, 2017. Yeah, little moments like that to make life for a living, right? Yes. Yeah. Then you could go through all the crap for the rest of the year until you have another moment like that. Yeah. And now I want more moments like that. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, you have a couple of other projects in the hopper here. Uh, I mean, I, I watched the, uh, the, you know, the trailer for something that you call, uh, you have going called Baby Dance, which is a movie or? Dance Baby Dance. Dance Baby yes. Dance. Okay. Yeah. Dance Baby Dance is a feature film. Um, this was actually a, another crowdfunding project of mine, but this was a while ago. This was maybe four years or so ago. Um. Stephen Coogan is the writer, director, creator, producer, and the star of the film. And it's about a tap dancer named Jimmy. Uh, and he's an underdog. Uh, you know, he was a tap dancer when he was young. Now he's a grown man. He's, you know, in the workforce. He gave up his dreams of dancing. And a competition is coming to town where uh, if you are the best tap dancer, you'll get to go on tour and you get all this money and all these accolades. And so he decides to enter the competition. And so I have a small supporting role in it. Um, I play a character named Cindy um, Beverly Mitchell. She was the actress from Seventh Heaven. She's the leading lady of this. Um, she plays Jimmy's love interest or girlfriend in the film. And so I have a scene with Beverly. Um, she's a dance teacher 
obviously it's all about dance, dance baby dance. Um, so she teaches a dance slash aerobics class and I'm one of the students in her class. Um, so it's a small supporting role, but I have a really cute scene with Beverly and um, that is coming out uh, next week actually. Next week is gonna be the big Hollywood premiere and then it's gonna have a limited run, a week long run in theaters here in Los Angeles. And if you go to the website, Dance Baby Dance movie.com um, you can plug in your email and your zip code and um, it's actually they, they are asking you to make a pledge uh, if the film were to come to your city would you go see it and okay. then that's going to help them with the selected theaters across the country you know obviously if a hundred people from your zip code Casey put in that they want to come I think you guys call it the postal code, right? What do you guys call it? The postal code, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, we, we're just yeah, we, we slang down we, here we, all the time, right? Yeah, we, we throw we throw letters in there for no reason just to screw uh, with you guys down there. So. Exactly. So if like 100 people from your neighborhood were to put in that postal code, then that would show... Uh, the distribution team that they're working with that, hey, this is probably a city we should go stop in. Um, so they're getting all that lined up, but then it will be released um, on Amazon, video on demand um, next week, I believe on the, on Thursday, uh, it's either Thursday or Friday, 18th or the 19th, that one will be coming out on Amazon. It's just a really good feel good romantic comedy slash film about the underdog, you know, making his dreams happen, which is, you know, something we're all striving to do. No, it, it, from what I did see, uh, again, it, it looked like a good, you know, feel good film for, for lack of a better word. Right. But uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's a feel good film. You're going to, you're going to leave the, the film, the, you're going to leave the theater smiling and maybe, maybe reliving your tap dancing dreams or some other dream that you've put on the back burner. You know, I think, I think it's definitely the kind of movie that you watch and you're like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have given that up. Maybe I should go be the best, you know, pottery maker in my city or whatever your dream is, you know? So uh, the last project that we um, you have going here in the last couple of minutes that I have with you, Leah, is um, I, I know that you were proud of this, uh, you know, this radical dating concept that you're participating in, right? Yeah, uh, Radical Dating is a, is a docu-series that I star in along with four other singles. Um, I'm single and um, all over the age of 40. So I know I know it's hard to believe, but I'm 43, and um, so everyone on the show is also over 40 and single. And so it's uh, the director's name is Betsy Chassie. She also directed What the Bleep Do We Know? I don't know if you saw that film years ago. It's a lot about the law of attraction and quantum physics and that kind of stuff. And so when I saw Betsy's name attached to the project, I knew that. Um, you know, it was going to be done with integrity. You know, right. I don't normally do ra reality shows, uh, especially about my love life. But um, I knew that there was going to be it done with integrity and, and honesty and whatnot. And so I signed up for the ride and we shot that uh, over the course of about three months. It was, it's 10 episodes long and it's not your typical reality show. You know, there's nobody in a hot tub, you know, getting in, in fights with each other or, you know, there's, there's no like, you know, this one's kissing this one and this one's kissing that one. It, it wasn't about that. It was about taking five singles over the age of 40 and we were each paired with a relationship coach. And to be honest, I felt like I was in graduate school again. Um, we, we got a huge textbook, um, a, a gentleman, uh, named David Steele, him and his wife own um, a place in the Midwest called the Radical Dating Institute or the Relationship Coaching Institute. And so this program was formulated around his relationship institute, uh, an actual building in the Midwest where people go for coaching and whatnot. And they paired us up with a relationship coach and we had homework and we had assignments and uh so it was it, I, i'm still processing it you know i'm still processing it and as i watch the finished episodes i get to relive it and see everything else that was going on with with the other singles that were involved in it so it was a pretty deep dive into myself my personal beliefs what i'm looking for in a relationship uh you know the mistakes that i've made and the lessons that i've learned and i mean it's something i think whether you're single whether you're married, whether you're divorced, widowed, whether you're young, old, gay, straight, um, I think there's something for everyone is going to get out of that. And so that show was just picked up 
uh, Tracy Edmonds. She was one of the Mona Mario Lopez's co-hosts on Extra Tonight, and um, she just launched her own TV channel called All Right TV, and it's launching, I believe, in the next week or two at allrightnow.com, and you'll be able to watch all ten episodes and follow along. And I'm hoping they'll have us do some like Facebook lives and things like that, and, and get to talk about each episode and what we were really going through um, during the the time, because that's what's crazy about these kinds of things, right? Because you're only going to see, you know, 20, you know, two two to three minutes of my conversation with the expert on intimacy and masculine and feminine. But, you know, that was really an hour conversation, you know, so what what all was going on is, is really interesting to see what the viewer gets to see versus, you know, what we experienced on set. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you touched on a couple of different things here, and I'll mention this in passing, is that first of all, when you know, from what I read and, and uh, you know, what little I was able to consume, you know, reading up on it, uh, it had a lot more in common, I thought, with a social psychology experiment than it did with the average run-of-the-mill reality show, which um, that was the first thing that caught my attention. I took some psychology in college and... and uh, you know, there there was a lot of a lot of thought behind this. It wasn't sort of okay. Fine, we need five people that vaguely fit these character types, and let's throw them in a bunch of situations and see what happens. It was, you know, there was a lot of methodology behind it, which I appreciated. Uh, the second thing I noticed was that it would have been very easy to, um, you know, just to have all of the people that are being followed as being all women, but. Uh, there's actually a couple of guys in the mix too, which I I thought was interesting. Yeah, there there are, and and um and one of the one of the men is a gay man, you know, so he's really diving into what it's like to be a gay man over forty and dating. Um, so there's two men, there's three women. Um, so, some people are divorced, some people are widowed. Myself, I've never been married. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we had different experts come every episode. Um, you know, we, there's someone um who's an expert on EFT, on tapping. Um, we had someone about money come in, about finances and finances and dating. Um, we had people come in on emotions and better ways to use emotions and, and sexual intimacy. I mean, it really was just a really deep dive and it really, absolutely, social psychology, psychology, um, just really introspective uh, look and you know and a lot of the things are things that you know you know you know by the time you're 40 you know who you are you know what you're hopefully you know you know what your faults are you know where you've gone wrong um, but it, there's still something about sitting down with an expert and talking through it and you know they're not counselors you know and that's the one thing that the show really makes clear is a, a relationship coach is not a therapist right. you know they're right. not they're not just there to sit and listen to your problems it's more about like okay figuring out what the steps are where do you want to go how do you want to get there let's set some goals and signposts and checkpoints and you know they they had us get really clear on like what what are your requirements in a partner versus what are your wants and your needs. And so these things change as we grow older. Like when I was younger, I would have said one of my requirements was that my guy has to be tall, he has to have long hair, he, <laughs> um, you know, he has to have tattoos, you know. Now those things are just kind of in the want category. Like, ah, that would be nice to have. But these days, I'd just be happy if he has some hair, you know, at my age. <laughs> you know, so my requirements have shift from the physical aspects to, you know, I want someone who's kind. I want someone who's passionate, productive, um, somebody spontaneous. Who so, somebody who isn't living in his mother's basement or. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully, although, you know, I, you know, there's reasons for everything, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, being, I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being facetious, of course. Yeah. I mean, if you're living in your mom's basement because you're taking care of the whole family yeah, yeah. and I don't know, I, you know, who knows? But yes, that would probably, that would probably be a, a yellow flag, maybe a red flag right away, um, especially at this age. But I would be open to hear the circumstances behind that situation first <laughs> uh, I think I hope well no come on I'm kidding but but <laughs> uh, so uh, all that aside we're, we're kind of out of time here Leah but I, you know needless to say the door's always open to you whenever you want to come back I'm proud to have you on all right and uh, thank you happy to, happy to be on uh, so where can people go to learn more about you 
Twitter is the best place. Right. It's at, at Leah underscore Savoli. You can also find me on Facebook, um, Instagram, same thing, at Leah, L-E-A-H underscore Savoli, C-E-V-O-L-I. I do have a LeahSavoli.com. Um, and I just launched a, a new website for my voiceover career, which is LeahSavoliVO.com. And I'm um, just really diving back into the, the voiceover world. It's something that, that I love. And I really want to get back into the cartoons and the characters and things things of that sort did you uh on the subject of which did you see that i uh i had a chance to do a uh, an audiobook recently i did not congratulations what was it much. about uh so i read four pages of a short story for sarah fader i'll uh, i'll put her name out there and uh i was really happy to do it much much harder than i thought it was going to be but i uh, i had a lot yeah. of fun with it so uh, you think that just reading something would be easy, but you know, you, you've got to get it perfect. The diction's got to be there. There can't be any mistakes. You can't flub or anything like that. So, yeah, so. It's, it's, a, it's a really niche part of voiceover. It's actually a niche that I would like to get more involved in because I love to read. I love to read out loud. I always have, but it's a very specific niche. Like when you think voiceover, the majority of people in the voiceover world, if you mention audiobooks, they're going to go, ah, yeah. you know, because yeah. as you experience, you know, it's, it's a very long process and you're, yeah. you're just sitting there by yourself reading into a microphone now me I like to hear the sound of my own voice I like to read um, so I, I am looking forward to doing more of that I, I was I had the privilege of voicing a couple characters in an audiobook two summers ago it was a New York Times bestseller called The Truth uh, by Neil Strauss based awesome. on his novel The Truth and uh, Neil Strauss you've probably heard his name he he did all kinds of things like he helped uh, co-write like Motley Crue's The Dirt and Marilyn Manson's autobiography a lot of rock and roll stuff um, but he also has his own his own stuff out there as well and so I was honored to get to voice a couple characters in his audiobook for The Truth. Well, again, Leah, thanks a lot for your time, and uh, you know, certainly we'll definitely have to get you back on again soon, all right? Awesome. Thank you, Casey. All right, so that's going to do it for me for another week. We'll be back next Sunday. Until then, be good to each other, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. On behalf of my guests, uh, Leah Savoli, uh, who we just spoke with, and Gemma in the first half, you've been listening to Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor, and I will say it, cut, print, wrap, and I am done. That was another edition of The Cutting Room Floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor.